You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Growing wealth while supporting your family isn't easy, but with a well-crafted plan, you can take on anything. Visit planefe.com slash hermoney to schedule a free appointment with a financial advisor today because juggling finances can be overwhelming, but it's possible to find a better balance. Hey everyone, I'm Jean Chatsky. Thank you so much for joining me today on Her Money. One of the things that I love most about the holiday season is that it's just such an amazing opportunity to show gratitude to all of the important people in your life. We are all spending more time with friends and family, putting effort into finding the perfect gifts. I've had so much fun with that this year and donating more to the causes that we care about. The holidays are also a really good time to bump up your tipping to the people who provide services that you depend on every day. Your babysitter, housekeeper, the server at your favorite restaurant, including their tips in your holiday plans can be a pretty easy way actually to show your appreciation for all that they do throughout the year. But just like buying gifts, tipping can get complicated. Who do you tip? How much do you give for different services? Is it better to tip through cash or card or gift card or even Venmo? And yes, we're closing out a year that has had record high inflation, which means tipping is more important than ever and at the same time, harder than ever to fit into our budgets. Yes, we all want to be as generous as we can, even during tough times, which is why in this episode, we are talking about ways that we can make our tips more thoughtful, more intentional, and importantly, more effective. Helping us do all of that today, we've got Barbara Sloan. Barbara spent two decades working in the service industry as a server, a bartender, and a stripper. And during that time, she found that there were not enough resources to help tipped workers manage their money for their specific situations. That inspired her to become a personal finance coach and found her own company, which is called Tipped Finance. It also inspired her to write a book for people working in the service industry on how to save money and build wealth. The book is called Tipped, The Life-Changing Guide to Financial Freedom for Waitresses, bartenders, strippers, and all other service industry professionals. She's also worked in finance and construction, and she's now the owner of Manhattan Renovations, a woman-run construction company in New York City. Barbara, welcome. So nice to have you here. Jean, thank you so much for such an amazing introduction. I'm so glad to be here. Tell me a little more about you and your fascinating background. I know you've worked in so many different service jobs that relied on tips, and you had to figure out how to manage your finances on your own. Tell us your story. Yeah, so most people who meet me today know me as the owner of a women-owned construction company, but what they don't know is that I did spend those two decades working in the service industry oftentimes in tandem and, and at large times solely working in the service industry. I got started working in the service industry early on. I think my first job was at age 11. I was a paper girl 
And so that job was on tips. I remember around the holidays getting singles or $5 bills as big holiday tips and feeling like I was rich. And then my second job was an A&W, the roller skating waitresses and serving hot dogs and root beers. So that was like one of my jobs while I was working in high school. And then I ended up moving to California. And then when I got to California, I was like, I just needed something easy. I needed something light. And that was the service industry Mm -hmm. that was working in bars and restaurants felt easy. It felt nice. I had also come out at the age of 15 and working in the service industry was one place where you could truly be yourself. Yeah. It was the one industry where you were celebrated for being unique and maybe a little over the top or flashy or, you know, and so I loved it. I found my people in that industry. And so I had also fallen in love with construction. So I leaned hard into both of those and worked in the service industry and in construction. I moved around the country a lot and I would always get a service industry job first. And it was always easy because that's one of the great aspects about the industry is that you can always find something. I want to talk actually about tipping and I want to talk about tipped workers and how the system is for workers who rely on tips. How do they have to approach their budgets differently than people who are on a salary? People who work for tips have to approach money management in the same way that a business approaches money management. They have to be more educated and more diligent as somebody who's going to manage their money because For most nine to fivers, the income side of their money management is fixed. They know how much money is coming in. Whereas people who are earning tips, they don't know how much they're going to be making. So both of their income and their expenses are fluctuating. And that's very similar to most businesses. Most businesses have fluctuating income. Most businesses have fluctuating expenses. And when you think about businesses, they have financial teams, they have accounting teams, and you as a person have to be all of that in one. And so the first place you have to start is by recording your income. And that's one of the things I start with my coaching clients with is like, you have to know how much you're bringing in. Even if it's not consistent, there are always patterns. A lot of service jobs are seasonal, right? If you're in a club, for instance, clubs are always slower in the summer. Clubs are always slower during sporting events. Whereas if you're at a bar that has a patio, It's going to be way busier in the summer months. Absolutely. If you're a tipped worker these days, whether you are, I guess it's probably different if you're a housekeeper versus somebody who works in a salon versus somebody who works in a bar or a restaurant, what's the range of the percentage of income that is tips rather than salary? It's very establishment and even state specific. For example, California has a $15 minimum wage. There's a dozen other states that have $2.13 as their minimum wage. So for people who are in a restaurant working in two very different states, they're going to have really different realities on one is going to be bringing home a substantial paycheck of a couple hundred dollars a week, whereas another person will not see a paycheck. So it's dependent on the establishment and the state that you're living in. So when we are approaching the holidays and we're thinking about tipping, do you have a philosophy about how we should approach it in general? And then we can dig down and talk about the specifics. Yeah. I always like to say tipping should feel good. It should always feel good. I'm in the Facebook comments on a lot of posts and I will see people say, 
things like, oh, well, why should we have to pick up where their employer should take care of them? And what we often forget is that tipping is its own type of employment. Most people think that there's only either W-2 work or entrepreneurship gig consulting type work, but there's actually this third type of employment, which is tipped work. It's its own type of employment where there is a two-part process to the employee getting paid. One is the minimum wage, or in most places, it's a sub-minimum wage. But then the other side is the tip that they receive from the person that they're working with. And there are over 5.5 million people working on tips in the U.S. This is not a small industry that we are going to, we're not removing tipping. That's not changing. We're not getting rid of this practice. It's been around for hundreds of years. So I always like to say tipping should feel good because you should be reminding yourself that you're getting to participate in somebody's livelihood and that should make you feel good. I also like to say tip on service, not on product. So if you're at a coffee house, for instance, and you're getting a packaged coffee and a packaged sandwich and that iPad gets turned around and the option for tipping comes up, you shouldn't feel obligated to tip in a situation like that. However, if somebody is making you a hot beverage that they can burn themselves on and they're drawing a cute little cat face on top of your latte, then that is a situation in which you're getting service and you should feel maybe inclined to tip in that situation. It's interesting because that iPad that spins around feels like it's spinning around more often, right? In places where I expect it at the coffee shop these days. I don't expect it in certain businesses that I, I was at a shoe repair place, right? I don't think I've been asked to tip in that situation before. I did. The guy did a very nice job on my shoes, so I tipped a little bit, but I was surprised to be asked. Have you seen sort of tipping creep into other places where it didn't used to exist? Yes, definitely. And I think the iPad situation is we're all feeling that. And I think even people in the service industry are concerned about the increase of these iPads because I think a lot of people are just throwing their hands up in the air and saying, oh, you know, to heck with all of this, because the point of tipping is to subsidize somebody else's income when they're providing a personalized service that their employer cannot objectively review, right? And so if you're all in a football stadium watching a game, everyone's having the exact same experience. When you are at a table getting restaurant service, that's a very unique experience that no one is going to know how that went except for you. So I think, yeah, these iPads that are getting turned around in strange situations, we have to call out bad actors, but at the same time, it's new and we have to weed it out. All right. We're going to get specific, but before we do that, let me just remind everyone that this podcast is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. When we talk about things like raising kids, caring for aging parents, planning for retirement, I know it is a lot. It's a lot to manage, especially when you are trying to grow your wealth at the same time. Visit efe.com slash hermoney to schedule a free appointment with a financial advisor today. You will learn strategic ways to help meet your financial obligations while remaining 
focused, honed in on your own needs and your own dreams. If you've got a well-crafted financial plan, it helps you get ready for all of life's competing priorities. So schedule your free appointment today. It's planefe.com slash hermoney. I'm talking with Barbara Sloan, founder of Tipped Finance and the author of the book, Tipped, The Life-Changing Guide to Financial Freedom for Waitresses, Bartenders, Strippers, and All Other Service Professionals. All right. So we are rolling into the holidays, and we are also dealing with inflation and the fact that everything is a little bit more expensive these days. How do you factor inflation into the tipping landscape? Does this mean we should be tipping more when we can? Does it give us a reason to tip less because we can't? How do you play that? Or not even play it. That sounds really cavalier and I don't mean it that way at all. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I think in situations where inflation is impacting the cost of goods and the goods are part of the service, then whenever you find yourself in a percentage situation, then likely the inflation has already been hit onto the good or services that is part of that service. And so if you just are tipping appropriately, I think mostly you're covered. But I also think that it's a great time to maybe up that because a lot of businesses aren't feeling like they have the ability to raise prices. And so, you know, if you were somebody who was in the range of 15 to 20%, then maybe you want to move your range up to 20 to 25%. The range for housekeepers, if you would go to a hotel, was always like $2 to $5 per night. That's not on a percentage. So I think in that situation, it's a great time to up whatever your base was. I no longer leave less than $5 a night for my housekeepers. The price of the hotel has gone up, but tipping for housekeepers largely has not changed over the last two decades. So I think that's when you would want to modify that. How about other industries? I mean, I think that's a very helpful metric as far as the housekeepers at a hotel go. How about at restaurants and salons and the people who work for you in your home? Yeah. So I think this is a, another great example. Like if you have a housekeeper and a housekeeper has been with you for a long time, this might be a good time for you to adjust their rate in general. And then if you are somebody who does do tipping around the holidays, I often encourage like a week of their salary. So if you were upping their salary to match inflation, then your tip would reflect that as well. And how about in salons and in restaurants? I mean, you mentioned going to 20 to 25%. I guess that's in a restaurant. What if you visit a hair salon every two months for each year and you've been seeing the same person for a while? Yeah. If they haven't raised their rates in a while and you're somebody who has some room in your budget, you may want to go ahead and these are typically, especially for beauty and body services, these are relationships that you've probably had for years. And so they may be uncomfortable raising their rates. And if you're somebody who's conscious of the the environment and the economy that we're in right now, it might be on you to say, you know what, it's okay to raise your rates a little bit. And then for tipping people in beauty and body services around the holidays, if you only see them every couple of months, usually what I do is I give them the equivalent of one service around the time of the holidays. 
we talked a little bit earlier about modes of tipping, and I'd like to know what's most effective. I mean, different companies have different ways of collecting tips. My coffee place still has a cash jar in addition to the iPad. Some places ask for tips on credit cards. Some places don't want tips on credit cards and in fact tell you that you can't tip on the credit card. You have to tip in cash. How is tip money distributed in these different situations? We have a place we park our car. I live in a city and I live in the city of Philadelphia and we don't have a garage in our building. So we park in a nearby garage and I just took over a holiday card with a gift for the guys who work there who are incredibly helpful. But I gave it to one of them and I said, you guys split this, right? And he said, yeah. So I trusted and left the card and left. But, you know, it's always a question mark. Yeah. I mean... The point of that situation is that you did your part and you should feel great about it. And hopefully it works out the way that it should. Not everything can be perfect. I'm in a similar situation. So I'm in a city, I'm in New York City. We have great mail people. We have mail people, different mail people for different, you know, UPS, FedEx, USPS. Around holiday time, I'll put $25 for people carrying letters and $50 in envelopes for people carrying packages. And I just stuff that into my mailbox for a week and I'm like, Hopefully that worked out. Hopefully it ended up where it should have ended up. And I've done my part. It can't be perfect, but the intention is there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to those tip jars, I mean, does that usually get to the right place? And is it more effective to tip in cash than it is to tip on a credit card? Do the service workers take more home if I tip in cash? This is, again, very establishment specific. Some bars will pool their tips and they'll break it up at the end of the week. And so they want more credit cards in order to make sure that everybody's getting things fairly. And some servers, you know, prefer cash because they often have to tip out the maitre d' and the busboy and the bar back. And it's easier for them to distribute that based on cash at the end of the night than taking it out of their own pocket. So each establishment can, can range in what they prefer, but I think it's great to ask, right? You're having this experience and likely whether it's a beauty body service or, you know, hospitality experience, you're engaging with people. Go ahead and ask the question. Do you prefer cash or credit? I'm going to give you a holiday tip. You can ask your hairstylist if they prefer a personalized gift or if they prefer cash. I think most people prefer cash, but it's great to have that conversation. It shows that you care. Yeah. Yeah, it does. We pulled a survey from Square, the digital payment company, that found that people are, in fact, being asked to tip more and people are tipping more than they were before the pandemic. There is this interesting movement now among some service industry professionals to eliminate tipping and to just charge more upfront, um, have businesses take on the responsibility of raising the price for their services, but then paying wages that are actually fair. I've been in restaurants that have eliminated tipping. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, there's an amazing organization called One Fair Wage, and they've been doing a great job of putting things on the ballot for removing what we call the subminimum wage, which is that $2.13 minimum wage. I'm in favor of everyone having the same minimum wage. And I'm also in favor of tips on top of that. I think in any service establishment, when you're trying to get a good service, you want to incentivize people. 
When you look back at the history of tipping railroad workers, people who worked on trains used to be in tipped positions. The industry went through some strikes and then they eventually, you know, did away with the subminimum wage for them. But I'll ask people, when's the last time you had an amazing time with a train worker? Probably not very often. They're not incentivized in that way anymore. But we still want our connection and we still want people to be raising the energy of the establishments in the places where we go for comfort, like beauty, body services, hospitality services. So I think tipping needs to remain in order to keep that incentive in place. For people who would really like to add a little more to their tips right now, but just aren't able to financially, is there any other way to show their appreciation? I think for people who are struggling, what they should probably look at is all of these services are luxury services. If you're able to afford the luxury service, you should be able to afford the tip. Otherwise, in some situations, you could be forcing somebody to work for free or paying out on that service. Um, Like we were talking about in the restaurants, a lot of people have to tip out. Hairstylists may have to tip out their shampoo or they may be paying for their own product. They may be paying for their own chair. If you're not tipping, you could be taking money out of their pocket. So I think if you're in a budget situation where you're feeling the strain, pull back on the number of luxury services that you're participating in, you know, maybe less deliveries, you know, maybe less going out to eat. You can always still have a great potluck or a picnic, or there's lots of great packaged goods at the grocery store where you're not kind of exploiting somebody's labor and you can still have a great time. I encourage people to kind of think through those solutions. Such interesting and really valuable information this time of year. Barbara, thank you so much. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, if anyone has any tipping etiquette questions, I'm always happy to chat about those things. I get a lot of texts, emails, and calls around this time of year, people asking me, what what's the appropriate tip? So feel free to reach out to me, barbara at tippedfinance.com. You can reach out to me at tippedfinance.com for one-on-one coaching, or I often do money talks at restaurant, bars, clubs, or your place of business. And then you can follow me on socials at Tipped Finance, or you can buy the book Tipped, which is available on Amazon. Thank you so much, Barbara. Happy holidays to you. Jean, thanks you so much. This was such a great conversation. Happy holidays. Thank you. And for everybody who's listening, just a reminder that Her Money is also supported by BCU, one of the nation's fastest growing credit unions. BCU helps members make smart financial decisions by offering the products, services, and caring support they need for whatever stage of life they're in. Find out if you're eligible by visiting bcu.org. And thanks to everyone for joining me today on Her Money. Thanks to Barbara Sloan for telling us all about tipping and how we can give more to the people who enrich our lives every day through their services. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Edelman Financial Engines and BCU. We produce this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper, and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk soon.